0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, we got a fun one today. How do you deal with the boss when they're the ones doing the bad thing? Stephanie Goss and I are going to get in and break it down. Let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we are back. It's me. And Stephanie, don't you know that you're toxic God?
1: <laughs> Is that actually a song lyric or did you make something else? That's a Britney Spears song lyric. Don't you know that you're toxic? <laughs> I have to I have to hear it in this in the singing context. I'm
0: addicted to you, but you know that you're toxic. <laughs>
1: Really, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to hear you sing Britney Spears.
0: <laughs> You're gonna see the strange knowledge that I have acquired on my forty-five years on this earth. Oh man. All how's right. it how's it going, Andy? It's uh it's good, man. It's super good. We just finished the practice manager summit. Heck like yeah. two days ago. Yeah. I am super proud. I am like the biggest feedback that we got was this should be longer and i'm like that's the best
1: feedback (laughs) nobody wanted to go home (laughs) yeah
0: they were like really we we should have had another day yeah i love that feedback (laughs) that is that is the best feedback that i can get is you we should do more of this
1: yeah it was it was pretty awesome i love hanging out with my fellow practice managers and um, we had a lot of new practice managers, people who've been in their role or in veterinary medicine for a short period of time. And so it was super exciting to see the enthusiasm and the wide eyed innocence and just get fresh perspective. You know, it's like when a doctor, when you have a doctor who's been in a practice for a long time and then you get a new grad and the new grad is like super pumped and super excited and. And the new and the old doctor learned some new tricks I, that's how that's how I felt it was a good good weekend
0: it was awesome so you know on the first night we always ask people like how many years have you been in practice and it was just split it was like 25 16 25 30 you know 22 18 and then it was like one,
1: 1. <laughs> 1.5
0: six, six months and it was just like I was like This is like, how freaking awesome is it for brand new people to come and work with people who have been doing this 20 years? And then also, how awesome is it for people who have been doing this 20 years to get to work with people who are brand new, bright eyed, bushy tailed with fresh eyes and fresh ideas? Like, it's great. It, It was great. Anyway, I was super, I was just super happy. I'm, I'm already, I'm already psyched for April.
1: Yeah, me too. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, uh we had something come in through the mailbag and it's interesting because this same talk- topic came up uh at the conference and we had a good conversation about this with some people that I was working with and I thought um you know, this is such a this is such a great episode because I think I know I have struggled with this in the past. Um I think it's a pretty common issue. So, do you want to dig into it? Yeah, sure. Uh okay. we got We got a question through the mailbag, Mm -hmm.
0: and it says, what do you do when your DVM practice owner is the one who is judging clients? As the manager, I want to set expectations that negative client talk is not okay, but what do I do when the practice owner is the one who does it? (laughs) And in front of the team, Mm -hmm. how can I possibly hold them accountable when the practice owner doesn't follow the rules? Sincerely, non-judgmental practice manager. We're going to call him N- NJPM, non-judgmental practice manager. Yeah. Oh. I I I thought this is great. I this is a great yeah.
1: question. Yeah. This is this is a hard one and uh, and it's uh it is such a great question. And I think a lot of people are struggling with um just overall um I've seen a lot a big uptick in posts with people struggling with negative client talk or negative feelings towards clients and i think um it's understandable you know we're going on a year of being in lockdown in some places and even the ones that are not on lockdown clients are irritated you know they're they're mad they're home their kids are home like they're experiencing the same pressures we are our teams are have been juggling this sustained pressure and, and stress for such a long period of time now everybody's grumpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, um, it's becoming, you know, especially with clients not in the building. It's much easier. I, I know I've caught myself, um, you know, going, gosh, that client was such a jerk and you don't think twice about it because there's nobody within earshot except for your team, right? Which right. is a very slippery slope and I think a lot of us are, are fighting that and so I think it's perfect timing to talk about this.
0: Well, yeah, I agree with that. So let's, Lay down the the background in front of which this conversation takes place. is global pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and one year into a global pandemic, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And it's the winter time, so it's like global pandemic, and you can't really go outside. And I don't know about you. I, actually, I do know about you. You <laughs> and I are both locked in our houses with our children. Yes, you know, like, and again, <laughs> I'm not trying to. I love my kids. Uh, it's it's been a year, and. <laughs> and and they you know how it is like they uh they get they get crazy and uh there's just uh, there's just this there's just this general stress that we're all juggling with uh, or juggling you know what I mean and so yeah it, it's there's there's enough stress to go around the clients are stressed which is affecting their behavior and then our people are they have their own stress to be fair like they also have that same stress mm-hmm. and now they're responding to the stress of the clients as well. Yeah. I, I I that that's the background. The next part of this is one step further forward so in front of that background. Um it is easy to have this mindset is it's just my team. Your team is the one that matters. Right. <laughs> you know like and being negative in front of the team is is uh, there's only one step further than that and that's being negative in front of the client about the client. Which right. is bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. And and I think that that's I think that's the part that everyone struggles with the most. And I'm glad you, you open with that because everybody feels like it's my team. I feel comfortable with them. I can speak my mind. I can, you know, say what I'm thinking and that's great. And as a leader, you still have to have a filter (laughs) and this is probably the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's no, it's, it's totally,
0: it's totally true. Like, Again, it, it fits very much into our conversations that have seemed to come up a lot recently about like uh, when, when the um, and there, I think it was our last our next to last episode was uh, and I took that personally and it's just about taking it personally. It's like uh, are these people your friends and yeah. and part of it is you go they you can love them you know you can be super friendly with them at the same time if they were your friends then you just let your guard down and just say what you think right. Um, but they're, they're, they're really not your friends. You know what I mean? Like in that you have a responsibility to lead them yeah. and to demonstrate the behaviors that you want the team to have. And those are responsibilities that you don't necessarily have when you're just hanging out with your friends. And so I, I do think that we, we have to hold on to that. And this is, this is where discipline comes in for the leaders. It's like you have to be a sunshine warrior sometimes. Yeah. You know, you have to stand up and say, I am choosing to be positive. And to demonstrate positivity and I, you know what I mean? And like, and it takes grit to be the person who doesn't bash this, you know, disruptive client sometimes. But, but you have to, you have to pick it up and you have to carry that torch. And so I understand how people can fall off that wagon. in fact, I would say the default is to fall off that wagon mm-hmm. when, you know, we're in a pandemic and everyone is stressed is like the normal state, I think for most of us is to be critical of other people and to, you know, and to get angry easily. It takes conscious effort to fight against that. And so I get it, it, it still requires us to step up.
1: Yeah. And, well, and I think, I think from a leadership perspective, right, I can completely understand where a practice owner, any any doctor in a leadership position, a manager, um, really anybody who's been leading their team through this time of sustained stress, I totally get where they're like, "I'm tired. I'm tired of being positive. I'm tired of being the one to set the example and 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 choose positivity over and over and over again." Because you know what? I want to be grumpy. The clients are grumpy. I'm dealing with you know grumpy salespeople. All of all of the things, and so it's a really hard choice. But it doesn't mean that we can stop making it. And that's but I empathize tremendously because there are days where I just want to say no. I don't want to call another grumpy client. I don't. I don't want to go talk to the person who's banging at the front door because we won't let them in the lobby like i just you know <laughs> i just don't so i yeah. i totally empathize where um it is a struggle to make that choice yeah over and over and over again
0: the first call to action for me for the day mm-hmm. is I, I i want everyone out there to pause this podcast and go to the sunshine warrior in your practice who is the person who is determined to be positive mm-hmm. and who is always that light of positivity even when other people don't want positivity and just say, thank you. <laughs> just just say, I love that you are always positive and you always have a good face on and you always um, you know, try to help keep our culture positive. And yep. I know that that takes effort and I want you to know I recognize it. Thank you. I love that. I, I, think that I, I think that that's important. I've definitely done that with my practices. Those people who are always smiling, it takes work to smile. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just stopping sometimes to say, hey, and this is the feedback model, right? Hey, can I talk to you real quick? When I look around and you are always smiling, I want you to know that I notice that. and I know other people notice that. And it's a small thing, but it's an important thing. And I think that it is a constant upward pressure on our culture, Mm -hmm. making us better and making us better people and thus helping us take better care of our clients. And I just want you to know that, uh, it's appreciated. Thank, thank you for, thank you for what you do. Thanks for, thanks for having that attitude. I love that. And it's
1: just feedback. Well, all
0: that does is it just, it encourages them to continue to fight the fight, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. So anyway, all right. That's understandable how people slip off the bandwagon. This is really easy to do, yeah. But you do have to fight the fight, right? Because let's talk about what happens if you don't. Um, negativity spreads, right? Uh, emotions spread like contagion, like on, yes. on a disease model. And and I would say, and I can't I can't prove this part. The other part is is clearly shown in the research. But I would expect that the more organizational power you have, the more contagious your uh, your emotions are. You know oh, what I yes. mean? When yeah, the kennel oh, yes. tech comes in and she's had a, she's having a bad day, that's probably not going to tank my day as as the doctor. But when the practice owner comes in and he's having a bad day or she's having a bad day, that probably is going to ta- you know tank my tank my day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know uh, the doctor can tank the tech's day real easily. Yes. Uh, all, all those things are are true. So especially at the top, that's why these behaviors like you've got you got to rein that in. And it's it's just it's also shifting baseline, which we talk a lot about. You know, shifting baseline is that there's a norm, and then someone uh, just goes under the norm just a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're they're five minutes late instead of being on time. They they roll their eyes at the client. They don't say anything negative, but they roll their eyes at the client. Well, then the norm is not we show up on time. After a while, it's we show up five minutes late because that's the norm, and the norm is not we don't do anything negative, but it's like we don't do anything more than roll our eyes. And right. that becomes the norm. And then someone shows up ten minutes late or then someone starts to go, This is stupid. But they only say it to the tech they're working with. You know what I mean? And yeah. and then after a while that gets normalized. And before you know it, crappy culture or uh, you know, or systemic sort of rule deterioration are the norm. And that's shifting baseline. And so we we just have to fight against it.
1: Yeah. Um, what else do we need to think about from a headspace perspective to tackle this as a as a practice manager?
0: All right. So I like this question a lot. I think it's very I think it's an interesting question
1: because
0: uh this is going up the power gradient. So we are managing in this specific question, it's how do I get my boss to uh to stop judging clients and especially saying it out loud mm-hmm. in front of the staff. Now, if if you're the manager and one of the techs is doing it, that's a slightly different, uh, different approach as opposed to trying to get your organizational superior to change their behavior. So I, I think that that's really interesting. I think we need to pull that out and just lay it on the table and say that is a thing that we're talking about today is how do you get somebody when you don't have any power over them to affect their behavior? Mm-hmm. So let's start with that. Number one, headspace. We always start with headspace. What I would say is recognize that you, a couple of things. Number one, you do not have the power to make this person do anything. Right. Right? And that's unfortunate, but it's true. And the reason I say that is because we have to set expectations for ourselves. If your expectation is, I'm going to get them to change, and if I don't, it means I've done a bad job or I'm failing, then you're setting yourself up (laughs) to most likely be unhappy, (laughs) you know? Or to fail. So no, you do not have the power to make this person change. Number two, know that you can't make someone change who doesn't want to change. So even if you did have the power, if they just did not want to change, you cannot make them change. And so that leads me to number three, which is accept a certain lack of control here. Yes. Like, let's get this into headspace. That doesn't mean you shouldn't fight them. <laughs> this is short and that's it. Give up, go home. Uh, that, that's not the podcast. Um, but i do think from a health mental health standpoint get into that position of i can't make this person do anything yes uh, you know what i mean I, I can't i'm going to do what i think is right but at some point they are they are the ones who are going to have to make this change um and and i think that that just gets us into a healthy place to work from
1: yeah i i agree i think i think this is um an easy place for managers um, whose whole job it is is to manage the situation to feel very powerless and to very much put blame on themselves that doesn't necessarily fall on their shoulders and i i know i have been in this seat and felt this uh felt this struggle where you are blaming yourself for something that you can't control and so i think just the simple um, you know, acceptance of the lack of control and knowing that you can't change somebody who doesn't want to change is really important. Like you said, it doesn't it doesn't mean you give up. It doesn't mean you don't address the situation, but you gotta give yourself a little bit of grace here.
0: And yes. I love that you that you said that. You've got to give yourself a little bit of grace here, right? Um it'll also help you be more effective in the next part, right? Yeah. And so still in the headspace. It's funny. So I, I would I would do I would do lectures, and people would ask me stuff like this, you know, at, at the at these at the conferences or at workshops mm-hmm. or whatever. And it was always interesting because someone would say, you know, I, I got to talk to my boss about this or the director about this. And eighty percent of the people in the room would be like, oh yeah. And twenty percent of the people in the room would roll their eyes and go, I'll just tell them. I would just tell them. Look, you got to suck it up, Buttercup. You cannot be you know <laughs> venting and complaining. You need to put your big girl panties on. <laughs> and handle this with a smile and not whine in front of the staff. And I'm not kidding. Like that that's what they would <laughs> that's what they would say. Uh-huh. And you can imagine those managers saying that. And I thought oh, yeah. about that a lot. Because they're right. Like that is what they would say. Yeah. And the truth is for them it would probably work. Um and so I thought about that a lot. I was like, why is that? And the answer to the, the answer to the question of why do those people get to do that? <laughs> And they just just can't they just can't fathom the struggles of the other eighty percent of people who are like I don't this conversation. It's trust, right? Yeah, it, it goes down to trust. They have a strong relationship with the practice owner, and they trust the practice owner, and the practice owner trusts them. And so when I say to you, Stephanie Goss, you need to suck it up. <laughs> you know, you know I love you, and you know yeah. I care about you, and you know that you can uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong. You know what I mean? And that comes from trust. And so the headspace of this really going in is, um, we're about to give the practice owner feedback. We're about to go up the organizational power structure. The the only way that this works is is trust. It mm-hmm. it it works on on that relationship currency. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, part of it is, um I, I need I need I need to build trust, number one. But number two, I, I'm gonna have to rely on trust and yes. And that the practice owner trusts me, and that I'm that I'm speaking to them because I'm trying to do what's best for them, and and that's a long term uh, move to get there. You know, that you have to you have to earn that trust. Yeah. But I do think that this is why um, we need to work on building trust along and along and along, so that when we need to have this conversation, the differences are stark. You know, when there's no trust, you're like, how do I have this conversation, and I don't want to set them off, and I don't want to do this. Versus when you have the trust, you say, uh, Andy you cannot say things like you said yesterday. (laughs) I'm serious. Like you're going to make, you know, other people think that they can say it and I can't hold them accountable when you're doing the thing that I'm supposed to hold them accountable for. Right. And, and that's true, but that does come from trust. And so that is the long-term underpinnings of this.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. I have, uh, since my very first practice, I have always operated with, kind of a set of rules or agreements that the team has made with each other. And um, I love uh, one of the foundational rules for my teams, which actually came from my practice owner boss at my first clinic. And it it is um, say what you need to say as long as it uh, lives up to our mission and our vision and is uh, supporting of what we have agreed you as a team. And so, you know, you were saying you could imagine those managers saying, <laughs> put on your big girl panties and suck it up. Like I I have been in that position where I have because of those rules being in place and like you said building the trust and the foundation and having that relationship currency to be able to look at my practice owner and say, you're acting like a jerk and you're yeah. impacting the rest of the team and I need you to stop right now. <laughs> And, and, and just say what needs to be said, needs to be said. And when they're like, Oh no, I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm gonna call you out right now. (laughs) Like this this is a rule that we have. This is an agreement we have in place. You are impacting them and here's how you're impacting them. And those kind of conversations only work. Like you said, when you have that foundation of trust and you have the ability to have that relationship currency and be able to just say what needs to be said, because in that moment they're no different than any other member of the team. They're, yeah. you know, they are a part of the whole and they are impacting everybody else. And so of course you have to say something to them about it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's, that's a hundred percent true. And like, that's one of the benefits of having that relationship. You yep. know? It, it really is. It's just so funny. Like when you have trust in a relationship, um, you don't have to torture yourself over the details of what exactly you say and how you say it. Right. Because this person trusts you and you can say, I mean, that was a direct quote. You need to put on your big girl panties. And do it. Like, <laughs> I've heard someone say that to their boss. And the boss was like, ah, fine. And then she just went and did it. And I was like, okay, that worked. <laughs> But it only worked because there was five years of history behind it. Right. You know, to to make it happen. So I I don't know. And for the person who's new in their job and (laughs) (laughs) they're like, this is not helpful, Andy. I don't have five years of trust. Um, This is why we work on listening and communicating and being supportive every single day. So that when things like this come up, we you just ace them. It's so funny. It's like uh, you know, we we talk to people about uh getting out of jams and how to handle these hard situations. And the people who are really good communicators always kind of go, is that is that a thing that people struggle with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's it's because they don't have those problems because right. They build this relationship, and then as soon as the first thing starts to happen, they just go, "Yeah, look, that's not that's a no go. That's not right. that's not right. that's not acceptable. Let's not do that again." And, and it doesn't get to be this point because they have that relationship. So I don't know. I, I feel like we've gone on, on, on along enough about this, but the the answer to making all of this easy is trust. So that you say, "Look, you know I you know I am I am ride or die. You know that I have got your back, and I want you to be successful." And I want us to succeed.
1: I need you, you to do, stop being a jerk.
0: I, I need you <laughs> to stop. I need you to stop being a jerk. And 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 have that relationship to where the right. person goes. Oh, okay. All right. So 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 that's it. Let, let's say let's say that we're not sure that we have that relationship. Sure. <laughs> which yeah. is probably which is a good it's a good chunk of people. As I said, it's probably the majority of people are not they're not comfortable going to their boss and going look. You're, I got to tell you, you're being a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need you to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um. What do you do if, if that's not where you are? The The last part of Headspace, I think for me, is is all the stuff that we talked about, um, you know, accepting lack of control, you know, things like that. But um, I go back again to what is kind? Because there's a lot of people who are like, should I say something? Should I not say something? What is kind? Is it kind to not say anything and uh, just kind of let this behavior metastasize through the clinic? Mm -hmm. or is it kind to confront the practice owner and say, I'm doing this for you. I am here because I do not want this to become a thing that uh, makes your practice uh, toxic or crappy, you know? And so the kindest thing that you can do is just talk to them.
1: Well, and I think on another side of the kindness scale, nobody wants to work in a practice where – there's negativity all the time and Mm -hmm. it it's like um you know it's it goes back directly to what you were talking about in the beginning andy when you were talking about shifting baseline if we allow the baseline of attitude towards clients to shift even temporarily it becomes easier and easier to be negative about other things like in the moment, right? It's the client who was rude on the phone and everybody can understand that. But when that has become the new baseline, then it's something else that seems similar and then it's contagious and it spreads really, really easily. And so I know I even even if I wasn't in a position of um, power within the clinic or in a leadership role. I don't want to work somewhere where everybody is mad all the time or everybody's irritated and snapping at each other. Like that's just not a place that I want to work. And so I think the kind thing to do is to call that out and say, I don't want to be negative for 10 hours a day when I'm here. Like that's, that's not something I want and to be okay to demonstrate even just that to the rest of your team. And and be that person like you were talking about who chooses to to be happy. Like I'm just gonna let this go. Or you know what? That client really did frustrate me. I'm gonna go take 10 minutes outside and come back with a better attitude because I'm cause I'm mad. Like it's we're human, we have emotions, we have feelings. It's okay to express that if we're doing it in a healthy way. And I think that is where the difference lies for me and the headspace is. It's okay to feel affected by an interaction. What you choose to do with how it affected you makes the difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's uh let's pause here for a second and then we're going to come back and talk about the action steps to have in this conversation.
1: Okay. Oh man. All right. I am so excited. We have so much good stuff coming up in charted. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we've got coming up?
0: Heck, yeah. Uh, First things up is my personal branding talk. I'm talking about marketing for uh, veterinarians or people who want to grow their relationships with uh with pet owners honestly so that's uh that's the big thing if you have any interest in uh in social media and blogging podcasting writing uh things like that then this would be a great workshop for you it is uh free to our members it is 99 bucks for the public which is a super steal it's two hours it's on march 28th and then stephanie goss we have the big daddy the april uncharted conference this is the granddaddy of them all is our marketing strategy (laughs) conference this is the one that started them all. It is virtual this year. Mm-hmm. It is going to be all about simplifying and streamlining your communications to do more with what you already have. That is going to be April 22nd through the 25th. Yep. Uh, is Registration is now open. We will put links for all of this down in the show notes. So excited.
1: Now let's get back to the episode.
0: All right. Let's get into uh, how to actually have this conversation. Let's imagine that we are, uh, let's uh, imagine we're a little bit uncertain about how this is going to go. We're expecting maybe a little bit of defensiveness, but we have decided this conversation needs to happen. Where do we start, Stephanie Goss?
1: Oh, okay. I think we have to start at the beginning because this probably has to be it, a safe conversation, even if you feel that trust and even if you feel like you can go to your boss and say, hey, you're acting like a jerk right now. I really need you to stop. Mm-hmm. Like it still has to be safe. If the if your practice owner is like seething with rage and looking like they might throw surgical instruments at somebody, probably not a safe time to have that conversation. Totally. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's true. I and mean, ba-
0: ba- The basics of this, right? Like set yourself up for success. Yeah. I mean, I've worked. I worked for a practice owner one time. That was not a morning person, and I just didn't talk to her about yep. anything of consequence until after lunch. Yep. And I just, you know, yep. I just, I just knew that she was going to, she was going to put on a happy face for the clients and then kind of just be a grump uh, behind the scenes and drink her coffee and. You know, yes. probably after lunch, she was going to be back to her regular self. And I just planned. The other thing is, is she would get hangry too. So it's like, mm-hmm. man, talk to her after lunch when she's just right. eating and, you know, and, uh, and she's awake. Like that was just the, that was just the time yes. that I would talk to her about things that she might not like. And just set yourself up for success.
1: <laughs> I love that. you. I love that you say that. There have been plenty of times where I have walked in in the morning with a cup of coffee in my hand and handed it to someone and said, I, I need to talk to you about something. Uh, you know, I need to talk to you and I will tell them what, like, I need to talk to you about this interaction you had with the client yesterday or what the issue is. Um, I know that you're not a morning person, so I need you to drink this and then, (laughs) and then we'll give it an hour and then let's sit down and have, have a conversation or come find me when the caffeine is kicked in and let's have this conversation. Like bribes are bribes are okay in this situation. I am not above bribery here.
0: No. It's just the basics of setting yourself up for success in a yeah. conversation, right? So safe conversation. Uh, uh can you smile? Can you sit next to the person? This this falls into um are they are they in a good mood? Are they are they raging or <laughs> or are they smiling, right? As, assume assume good intent. Yeah. Your boss is not trying to tank the practice. She, she is not, uh, you know, doing a power trip thing. She's, you know, like it's just assume that she is doing her best. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, and it is a challenge. Just assume that the person is a good person, uh, and that, that they are trying their best. Um, uh, have they been set up to fail? What here is my fault. Is there anything I can take responsibility for? This is a great time. If I can say, look, I have done this. Mm-hmm. I have said things about the clients. And I am changing my behavior because this is important to our clinic. So I am going to change. I am asking you to commit to this as well because we need to be on the same page.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So what, what's my fault? And the last thing is the, is the end result. What do I want? Um, I do not. This is an important point. I do not want my boss to apologize for what happened yesterday. I want him or her to change their behavior going forward because what happened yesterday is over. And uh it's great if they go, yeah, I was really I was wrong because that just means that they 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 have heard you. Mm-hmm. You know, and they see it. So there is benefit to that, but don't get me wrong, but my goal for the conversation is not to make this person apologize. Yeah, it is number one to get them to change their behavior going forward, and then number two, if they feel so inclined, it would be great if they said, "Guys," said to the team, "Hey, guys, yesterday I did this thing, that was a mistake. Uh, you know what I mean? And 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 I just want to apologize and say that's not how we do things here. Like that's great. Mm-hmm. I I'm not sure I would ask for that. I'm not sure. Like that may be too big. That may be too big an ask. Depending on how things go, the biggest thing for me is." Just don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Just just change in the future because mm-hmm. the past is in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the end result I would be looking for.
1: Yeah. And I think tying the E to the A, like one of the things that I would probably ask in assuming good intent is um, to say, I know, you know, I know you love your clients. Yesterday when this thing happened and say what it was specifically when you slammed the phone down and said, God, that client's such a jerk in the middle of the treatment room or whatever it is like they they need to recall what exactly happened Mm -hmm. Say what happened like you know I know that's not you so tell me tell me what happened you are immediately instead of saying hey this thing happened and I need you to not do it again which is true and that Mm -hmm. needs to be a part of the conversation but by saying hey this thing happened I know that's not how you normally interact with your clients I know that's how not how you normally feel what happened It opens the door for them to be human and say, yeah, I I was really, really frustrated or whatever it is and explain how they were feeling. And then you can say, totally get that. Totally get that. And when the brand new assistant was sitting next to you and watched you act like that, it was an opportunity for her to feel like that's how we might treat all clients.
0: Right.
1: Can you understand how that impacts the team? It's really hard for them to say no to that kind of that kind of a question, right? When they've when the behavior has been illustrated, they've been allowed and been given the grace to feel a little bit human to talk about it and to still be able to say, I need you to not do that again.
0: Yeah. People underestimate the power of the mention. Yeah. Like just pointing out to someone that their behavior was abnormal um, is powerful. You know what I mean? It is a very soft kind of feedback. But when you said, hey, you slammed the phone down and called someone an idiot in front of the team. And that's not like you. What happened? Like, honestly, that in of itself can snap people into clarity. You know, like you have really totally called this out in a significant way. And they have to. Uh, reconcile it, you know, yep. and even your even your defensive people, what they would do is say, "Well, well, that person was an idiot," <laughs> and and a okay. lot of times those are the people who will um they will they and but then you can leave them alone and they'll pro- like a lot of those people will come back later on and go, "Yeah, you you you're right, that wasn't that
1: wasn't right, a good thing to do, right?" You know what I mean?
0: And it, it, it's funny, and you have to know the person you're communicating with, but like that's that's. <laughs> That's my dad. My dad is not the guy where you call him out, and he goes, "You know what? You're right." He's like, "I love him to death." He's the guy who goes, "Oh, well, that person was an idiot." Right. And and then and then the next day he was like, "Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that doesn't." <laughs> you know, but he just he just he needs he needs to sit with it a little bit. Yeah. And that's fine. But yep. that is the power of the mention. The other thing that I would say, you know, with a lot of this stuff too, is uh, we talk about a lot. Whenever we give feedback, I talk about the plagues. And I go back to uh, you know the story uh, in the Bible about Moses going to the Pharaoh and 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 him telling the Pharaoh to let uh, the Israelites go, and uh, and this this is the story. This is a classic story from the Bible where uh, Moses goes and he says, "Hey, God, God called, and he wants wants you to let the let the slaves go." And the Pharaoh is like, "No." And so God at that point does not level the city, right? God does this apparently mild thing of like turning the river to blood. And you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and the Pharaoh is completely unimpressed, but it was like, it was like warning shot across the bow. You know what I mean? Right. It was like, Hey, here's a minor thing. And then Moses comes back and then he comes back again. And, and like by the eighth plague, the locusts show up and eat all the food, right? Like right. this is this is serious, the 10th plague, like they kill the firstborn child in every house or, you know, like, like it gets bad, but it doesn't start bad. You know what right. I mean? It, it's not like, Hey, do this thing or I'm dropping the bomb. I just, I think there's great wisdom in that of just like, start, start with the first plague. And the first plague is, hey, that wasn't like you. Right. What is happened? Is everything okay? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and it also comes from a place of compassion, which again is good. Now, if this is the fifth time you're having the conversation, I, would, I probably wouldn't be like, that wasn't like you because it is like you. <laughs> And now it's time to be a lot more direct about, about what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, so, so that's it, right? Um, ultimately, let's say that we move into more direct conversations. Like this is, the mention is not going to get this done. We, ne- we need to actually talk about this behavior. The sweeping point of advice to start with is uh, s- s- go, go to your why. Like, yeah. why are we talking about this? It's not because I'm trying to control you. It's not because I'm trying to boss you around. It's not because it's because these actions that you're doing have consequences. Yeah. You know? And, and so let, let's talk about them. If I say to you, you can't say that to, about the client, then there are some people who are going to have, um, you know, a backfire reaction and go, don't you tell me how to talk to the clients. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and those' that's true. Like that's a thing. People don't like to be told what to do. And so they can they can kick back. and the the way around that is to talk about is to talk about the
1: why well, and almost all of us, almost all of us, not all of us, but almost all of us, work in a practice where our boss doesn't generally treat clients like this that this right. isn't this is an abnormal behavior. And so what I love here is that there's so much power in looking at your boss when when the behavior hasn't changed. And now you're talking about a a repeat behavior and shifting baseline versus the mention. The ability to say, you taught me that our clients are the foundation of our work. What's going on? Because this behavior that you're exhibiting towards clients is, is the opposite of that. And I don't. I don't feel like that's living up to what you taught me. And I just, I need to know how to go forward here. Like being able to look at someone and say, this is how you taught me to be. And you're not acting like this. Whether you've been in a practice for two weeks or 20 years. The reality is that the practice owner in a private practice plays a huge um foundational role in setting the tone for the culture and i would argue that i know very few practices whose culture from the practice owner is we're going to treat clients like crap yeah so if they if that's how they're acting it makes sense that you would call it out and and put it back on them and say this is not what you taught me i'm a little bit at a loss how to deal with this situation Because it's, because it's them, right? It's not your team. It's not, it's like, and then it becomes easy to say, I don't know how I can hold the team accountable for their actions when the behavior that you're demonstrating is the opposite of what we've told them that we want them to do and say.
0: Yeah. So two, two tools that you have used really wonderfully just in our discussion, I want to call out is number one is compassion, right? Like you have been compassionate in every one of your examples. Of you know trying to to look out for this person and, and uh, to cast them in a good light and you know, and to treat them with respect and and so I think I think compassion in this conversation is really important and the second one was was the sort of the maneuver you just used, which is um, tying them to the decision is really you know, is really good. You taught me this and, you know and, and now now what I want to do is I want to avoid. I want to use this as a persuasion tool and not an argumentative tool. If I if I if I essentially say you're being a hypocrite, then that can trigger a lot of the defensiveness of no, I'm sure. not, I'm not being a hypocrite. Sure. But if I do say, hey, you have always taught me that leadership comes from the top, you know? And that like that's one of the first things I learned working from you. And so it bothers me or it concerns me when I see this behavior from yesterday, you know, and I do think that during the pandemic, I really do think that checking in with the person is the best way to go is just go, you doing okay. Cause yeah. they're probably not doing okay. There's a lot of people who are carrying around a lot of stuff. And so, yeah. And I think that goes back to the compassion, but I re- I really do like that. If you can go to someone and point out their own behaviors to them as a reason, um, you know, uh, to not do what they're doing now, I, that tends to be powerful. I, I do think that that's a way that you that you reach people is to say, you know, I learned this from you and you taught me this or, you know, one of the things I've always not- noticed about you or I've always respected about you or that I've always thought you have done well is this thing. And yesterday, you did the opposite of that thing and I I I, wanna, I just want to check in with you. That that's really good because you're not coming as an outside uh law enforcement force. Right. You're essentially saying you seem to be going against your own beliefs here. And that's a really neat sort of persuasive tool if, if you if you do it right.
1: Well, and the other piece of it is I think it it um the other tool that you have is playing to what they care about just like you said start with the why what the practice owner cares about matters and so having the conversation in the context of what matters to them is so so important and so to say I know that our clients are important to you I know that how we treat them matters and that's why this worries me it it states it it pulls out immediately the things that are important to them and if someone points out something that is important to you something that is a core value or a core belief for your practice it's really hard to stare that in the face and not say oh man i didn't think about i didn't think about it that way like that's that's a pretty that's a pretty broad uh board to get hit in the head with right? <laughs> if, if someone looks yeah. at you and says, this is something that you care about and you're not demonstrating that that in this moment, it's that smack upside the head sometimes. But in a very gentle, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I need you to wake up kind of way. <laughs> right.
0: Well, everybody's got priorities. You know what I mean? Everybody's got priorities. And so if you're talking to someone in their priority, their number one priority is patient care. Then let's talk about how bashing clients uh, undermines patient care because it does. you know if their number one priority is revenue generation. Let's talk about how uh, you know how client bashing hurts our revenue generation like because it, it does like ultimately we get people turned against, if we turn the staff against our clients, that's bad for our business. And if sure. that's what you care about, then you're going to see it. But everybody's got their priorities. And so, yeah, whenever we talk about why, it's good to know your why. It's also really good to know their why and turn back against mm-hmm. it. The, the, last, the last part, I guess, for me on this, there's a, um, there's a book called uh, Why Are We Yelling by Buster Benson that I've enjoyed. And it's on sort of productive disagreement. And Benson talks about breaking disagreements into uh, head, heart, and hands. And so when I'm trying to figure out where the disconnect is or what I need to say to this person, one way to run myself through the exercise is to go, is this a head, a heart or hands problem? And a head problem is a lack of information. Does this person not understand what they were doing or do they not understand the detriments of what they were doing? Right? It's as a a head problem. Is this a heart problem? a heart problem is about justice. And is this the flaming raging sword of justice, right? Is this about meaning and purpose? Meaning, is this person feeling bullied by clients? Are they feeling uh, mistreated? Are they feeling that this is unfair? Are they feeling like they're getting pushed to burnout? And you know what I mean? And they are responding to um, to this sort of emotional feeling of, you guys are pushing me to the limits and now I'm going to start to push back in my own way. And that, that's a heart, that's a heart problem, which is different. Like you're not going to give this person information about the problems of saying negative things about clients in front of the staff because it's not an information problem. They know it's not a good thing to do.
1: Right. Right.
0: But it, but it, but it's a justice thing to do. And the last thing is hands, which is uh, essentially like an efficiency problem, right? Is this uh, a get stuff done sort of problem? And in this case, that's sort of a hard one. Uh, a hands problem would be: I know it's uh, I know it's bad for me to yell at the staff. Like I know that, but we have got to get done, and they are not moving. And so, in some base form, I'm yelling at them as a motivation technique, right?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: And you go, I you know this person is desperate, and they are trying to accomplish something, and that is where this this disagreement is coming from. Right, Got it. Okay. and so I, I just I just like that a lot. To think, is this a head, heart, or hands problem? And and the question uh, that I would put, I don't see this necessarily being a hands problem. And the last thing I would say is, oftentimes it's a little bit of of more than one. You know, um, sure, it, it's a it's a mixture that, that definitely happens. But it helps me to think about where this person's coming from. In this case, what I would say is, we're gonna go talk to the practice owner. Is this a head thing or a heart thing? And and that's that's what I kind of want to find out. Is this that. Yep she doesn't she doesn't believe this is a problem. She doesn't see that this behavior will spread. She doesn't understand the realities of trying to police the behavior that the practice owner is doing, Or is this a heart problem, meaning that this person is struggling and they are angry about how things are going or the world in general? Because the conversation I'm going to have is going to be different depending on which problem we're having. And so so I'm coming at a point of compassion, and that's why I love the inquiry. What happened? Yeah. Because that's gonna help me figure out is this a head problem or a heart problem or a hands problem? And then I can start to work through that.
1: I like that a lot.
0: Oh, that was pretty cool. Um, that's what I've got, Stephanie Goss. You got any other final pearls, words of wisdom, things to add?
1: No, I think um I think that this was a good topic of conversation because I think a lot of us have been there at some point or another, right? Like remembering that you're you're not in this alone and reminding your practice owner that they're not in it alone either. Like the team is there to support them and help them snap out of the bad days. And so, you know, but for that to happen, they have to be a part of the team and not drag the whole team down. And so, you know, having having that conversation, reminding them that they're a part of the whole giving them a break if they need a break like this goes for the whole team but especially the practice owners right now are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders and I know so many of them where the last time that they took a day off was a month and a half ago like maybe it's just saying hey I see you I see this happening listening to what they have to say and then saying I really feel like a day off would do you a lot of good. Like, let's figure out how to move the schedule around and make that happen. Especially if you're a solo practitioner or you've only got, you know, one associate, like those practice owners are carrying so much weight right now. And so just being their ally as the manager and saying, what can I do to support you? And it may be that you can't do anything. It may be that they've got stuff going on at home or there's personal stuff that's unrelated to the clinic that is affecting this behavior but knowing what that is and knowing what you can do to try and make their job easier goes a long way when it comes to the concept of managing up and trying to impact your boss's behavior
0: i love it fantastic thanks steph this is this has been a great this has been a great episode i really like this one
1: (laughs) it has take care you guys have a great week
0: yeah you guys be well talk to you soon All right. Well, I hope that was uh, useful. I hope that was enjoyable. I hope you got something out of it. As always, if you did, uh, share the podcast with your friends. It means the world to us. Uh, You know, rate and review, subscribe, do all the stuff that people ask you to do. Uh, Mostly take care of yourself. Be well, uh, be happy, be good. Know that the work you do matters and know that you matter. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.